0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome to Believe in Celtics. I'm Warren Shaw. He is a great Gary Washburn. Gary, it's been a minute. So happy to be back with you. But as always, we are your hosts and resources for everything Celtics. This season and the seasons to come as well too. Gary, my guy, it's been a minute. As I alluded to, how long how have you been, family? How have you been?
0: Everything's good. Everything's good. Obviously, interesting start to the season. A lot of, a lot of storylines around the NBA and the Celtics are kind of off to the expected good start. Um, we'll see what happens over the next few games. Obviously, that Philadelphia game uh, will be interesting to watch. Uh, but yeah, just everything's everything's well. And and I said. The season's starting to get kicking to high gear. And, you know, I don't know what your feelings about the in season tournament is, but it's kind of intriguing. I'm, uh, you know, it's not the, you know, I'm not, you know, could we have done without it? Probably so. But now that it's here and it's. I don't hate it. (laughs) It's not going to go. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. So we'll see uh, the impact. But uh, that's also interesting, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some interesting courts. I think that's been a big topic of the conversation more than anything else. The style of the tournament itself is fine, but the delineation through the court design, I think, has been something that's been um, different to watch, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, a lot of mixed emotions about that. So, before we get into everything here, um, I was, as always, we got to do our plugs. Uh, make sure you follow Gary Washburn at GWashburnGlobe. Follow me at Shotsports NBA Make sure you follow Believe at all of their shows, so those Believe Network at Believe Sports. And make sure you get this show and all shows on Believe ne- on the Believe Network a five-star rating. So, let's talk a little general NBA, as you alluded to, you know, re- regarding the, the, the in-season tournament, as you kind of brought that up, right? So, from my viewpoint, I think the Celtics are in what is it, Group C or something like that, and you know, in, in the East or whatever, whatever group they're in, right? Who cares? <laughs> um, they have they have a pretty what I'd say is a soft group in in general and should potentially kind of come out of that. Um, what is your what is your sense of the tournament been for the team? And how has the coaching staff and all those guys kind of like got behind it or not got behind it in the one game they've played thus far?
0: Yeah, they haven't really like been stressed in the tournament. I just think a game is a game. They played mm-hmm. one game. Uh, they were able to take care of Brooklyn pretty easily um, in, a, in their second time playing facing the Nets. Uh, interesting storyline for Friday is that game at Toronto, and now the Raptors are a little, little, little salty at the Celtics for um, the Joe Missoula Challenge with 339 Challenge. left and up yeah. 27 points. So let's see if that brings any intrigue into that game. Uh, the rest of the teams in their group, Chicago, they play them late this month, and then uh, at Orlando on a Friday after Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving should also be an interesting one. I think Orlando is probably their biggest challenger for sure uh, to that to their spot or whatever uh, to to winning that the group. Because uh, the Magic are a pretty good ball club, uh, we got played Boston well. <laughs> yeah, they played them well last year. You yeah. were right; Warren beat them three times, twice in the in the Garden on a couple of consecutive games, and uh, they're a good young team. So uh, it will be a challenge. We'll see what happens. How they react Friday in Toronto, and then uh, to be Chicago's, you know, we'll see what happens with them. Whether they make some trades, but I don't think that the Celtics have been pushing this whole like, hey, this is really big. I don't think they were really tripping off the court and all that on Friday night. I just think a game is a game is a game. Hey, we might as well win this thing. And I think once it it gets to the point of maybe getting a chance to get to Vegas and seeing how that goes, I think they'd be intrigued by getting there uh, and, and trying to see if they could just take this thing, right? Because it is a first-time situation. We'll see if the fans react. You know, like the championship game on December 9th, it's the same day is uh, the Heisman Trophy presentation, you know, just like the football kind of is, is King. Yeah. And uh, the day before NFL Sunday, I think the army Navy game is that day. So, so it was one of those kind of, uh, that uh, there might even be some conference championship games that day too. Oh, um, so we'll see if the NBA can kind of, you know, break into that shit, break that shell and become a storyline. Uh, but, i think everybody's kind of like wait and see about it i know jalen brown told us you know member i mean he basically was very honest uh warren basically said we did it because they said it was going to be more interest and more money um that's why we voted for it and he said we wouldn't i wouldn't say we're excited but we'll just see what happens well it's a game we get an opponent we got to win it you know that's the way they look at it so I think that's their approach to this. I don't, you know. I think once, obviously, I think they maybe get a couple of games in. We'll see if their interest uh, increases.
1: Yeah, I think there's a the good part of it to in a lot of ways is that it is earlier. So and and still counting kind of as like you said, almost as it is a regular season game except for the championship, right? So it's just like hey, you just you'll just do what you need to do. Um, and and I think Boston can can utilize this, but I think for for a team that has some new parts has championship aspirations, and I don't know. It, it, it could be gimmicky at the same time as well, right? But could the coaches utilize this as a, you know, pseudo, not not necessarily playoff environment, right, but a, a a level up from the regular season competitive environment and then trying to run some things and things of that nature like that, especially for a team like this who has some new parts and even some new coaches on the sidelines as well too, where they can kind of get that. But it's so early in the season you know, I, I don't know, but that's the part of it that I do like. That it is early in the season, and it's not going to be something that kind of gets in the way when you're truly trying to make a playoff run or, or worry about your seating as well. Too your thoughts on maybe that aspect of it a little
0: bit. Yeah, I think that's a good. The timing's good, Warren. It's before cr- the Christmas Day games. I'm. I know someone suggested, well, the winner should get an automatic playoff spot, but you know, what if uh, Halliburton? That
1: was Tyrese. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: Halliburton was like. So, yeah. what if like that team ends up going, you know, thirty and fifty-two? Is that? gonna, you know, you're just gonna automatically promise them a playoff spot. Like so, um, that's a lot to ask. I just think now even the guys who are making money, no, there's guys on the team that are not making money. So I think the guys who are making good money and don't really need that are probably gonna play harder for the guys who could use that extra five hundred thousand dollars because yeah. that's that's a lot of money for a guy, you know, in a rookie contract or second round pick. Uh, some of these guys that that's good cake, you know, I mean, for anybody that's good cake. Um, and I get it. Like Jason Tatum is not going to be tripping over 500 G's, but you know, Peyton Pritchard might, or Sam Houser might, or O'Shea Brissett might, or Lamar right. Stevens. So, you know, I think that that would be an incentive for the guys to say, Hey man, let's, 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 let's get this, let's get some of these checks for these guys for these young guys. Let's get them, let's make their life better. So, um, you know, I think, Warren, I think quite honestly, some guys are going to be fired up about it, some guys ain't. And I just think everybody's motivation is probably going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Let's get this money. Oh, I want to I get to Vegas. Um, you know, I want to be on that big stage. You know, I think if you ask 25 different players, you know, you probably get 12 or 13 different responses as to what they think about this.
1: Yeah. All right. Makes sense for sure. So let's move the transition on here a little bit from the in-season tournament from the Celtics standpoint, and go into just the regular season itself. Like I said, it's been a minute since we spoke. Uh, as we currently record, Celtics are eight and two. Uh, they did suffer two straight losses, uh, but at the end of the day, you know they've rebounded and, and looked like themselves again. Your sense of this of this roster, new parts, you know, fitting in Porzingis, obviously fitting in Drew Holiday as well to roll the fine for Al for Al. Um, but before we even get into that. I've, I've been really curious from your standpoint, you know, since we haven't spoken in a while as alluded to, to the coaching, right? And and, and bringing it in Charles Lee and Sam Cassell and Phil Pressey, like have you seen in any capacity or noticed their influence on these, on these players, obviously Missoula is Missoula going to do what he does, but have you seen any signs of like their imprint on what the Celtics are doing on the court?
0: Yeah, both guys I've seen, um, you know, Cassell's a guy who doesn't stop talking, has really bonded with Tatum and has worked on Tatum's post game. You see those post moves and him kind of using his strength uh, and his back to the basket to create opportunities for himself and for others. And I think Charles Lee's a guy who defensively has kind of uh, helped this team out. You know, the Celtics are in the top five in defense right now through 10 games. I think that's impressive considering last year their defense has slipped considerably. Um so, I think both guys are having a major impact on this team. And I just think the environment, quite honestly, Warren, is just better. And it's nothing, you know, could you blame Ime Udoka? I, I'm, yes, he definitely, uh, you know, deserves responsibility for a lot of this. But when you got guys on your staff still there, not sure where they're coaching next year. And I'm sure Ime, when he, you know, uh, when it was the agreement that he wouldn't coach the celtics again and you know he he was interviewing for the brooklyn job and then obviously the houston job i'm sure he told his staff listen there's a job waiting for you the next nba job i get so you yeah. got guys on that staff ben sullivan aaron miles um you know garrett jackson uh, mike moser who are like trying to figure out where they're going to live next year where they're going to be And that's a distraction. And and, and as much as you can lock in and – I'm not saying those guys are total pros, did everything they could to help the Celtics win last year. But I just thought the environment was just not a positive, conducive environment when you got guys figuring out, trying to figure out, okay, where are my kids going to go to school next year? Are the Celtics going to bring me back? Does Missoula want me back next year? Or should I go for the sure job, the one I'm being offered in Houston? And I know Aaron Miles went to New Orleans but three of those guys went to Houston with yep. Doka. So I just think now you have guys fully invested in Boston. Sam Cassell's been here, won a championship with the Celtics coming from Philadelphia. Has been, you know, very familiar with the Celtics. Same with Charles Lee coming from Milwaukee. He's an aspiring head coach. You know, the Celtics doing well this year will obviously help his stock. Yep. So you got guys who are motivated guys who are invested in Boston. And I think that's has left a more positive environment for Joe Mazzula and the team to flourish.
1: So before we move on from that aspect in general, have you seen Jeff around Van Gundy um, in whatever yes. role he's been in? And can yeah, you talk a little bit about the what the impact you know, you've seen he's there?
0: Behind the scenes, I, I asked if he wanted to talk. He did not want to talk. Mm. Um, obviously he hasn't spoken since he was let go by ESPN, but he, yeah. He's, he's, he comes to practices, he comes to games, he travels. So he is a presence uh, in the organization, and I just think that can only help. I mean, this is a guy who knows so much about basketball, has been very critical of certain things the Celtics have done, and I think he, him lending an, an, a good outside voice from a veteran coach, I mean, a guy who's been around the game for 40, 30, 40 years, only can help the, the organization, hope, hope franchise move forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting move when It happened, but when you when you see this like special advisor or whatever the title is, like kind of like what does that really mean? But I think from your lens, as we alluded to, just having a, another veteran, another grown up, someone who has basketball knowledge, experience, and can speak to the many and various wars that they've been in, and as an analyst and understands the game, that type of impetus if you will that knowledge around your organization can only be helpful so you know and i think even for where he is now he's not going for anybody's job or anything like that too just hey whatever got done dirty by espn Just here to kind of help and see what he can do for a team that can frankly use all of that type of stuff to try to get them over that next proverbial hump as we talk a little bit about you know the offense there's a couple things that i've noticed as well too and it's funny that you mentioned tatum and cassell bonding and even tatum going to the post a little bit because i've seen it Right, We're seeing some of the results of that in the play. Now, again, you and I both kind of agree, still shoot, shoot a lot of threes, but at the end of the mm-hmm. day, they have some versatility to their offense that we're seeing here some shades of that coming in. Tatum in the post, and the one thing I didn't really expect to see so much was Porzingis as, as a vertical threat. And not say that he's flying and soaring through the air, but they throw him the ball, they throw him you know, an acceptable amount of lobs and involve him in a lot of actions. Can you talk a little bit about your 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 sign to that from the offensive side, the diversity that we've seen a little bit, the new wrinkles in their offense that we've seen in the early part of the season?
0: Yeah, Warren, I think it's just a luxury that they've, you know, like they played years with Rob Williams when he was on the floor and unfortunately Rob is, you know, Yeah. have another major injury. We 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 hope he gets back soon and can continue his career, but it was a luxury to have Rob on the floor because of a lob threat, but with Porzingis, it's even Better because he's seven three, like Rob six nine. So if you just throw the ball up there, only Rudy Gobert and probably Wimbyama is going to be able to catch it. Besides um, Porzingis, so he just brings another luxury to the like you said, a lob threat, a guy who could still you know who doesn't need uh, to jump real high to dunk the ball. And I think that that's helped, and also his ability to shoot from the three, his ability to bring centers away from the basket, like a Mitchell Robinson. Or a Joel Embiid, where they've got to play perimeter defense, something that a lot of bigs don't like particularly to do, yep. and that opens up the middle. So I just think he has opened up and unlocked a lot of things for the Celtics offense that they didn't have in the past. I mean, as much as Horford was a, a, a stand stand-up guy and a good center, Horford stopped scoring at the basket. He doesn't score at the basket like he used to nearly as much in his Atlanta days. That, that he, you know, he, he was a Mid range and a little short jumper had a, had. A, now he just basically takes threes. Robert Williams, when he was in there, you know, couldn't really hit a short jumper. You had to, he had to, you know, it, it was either putbacks or lobs. Yeah. So, I think they now see the importance of having a productive center in their arsenal to where they can just do different things. If he's hitting shots, at three pointers, you got to guard him out there because if you let him. You know, just kind of, you know, fire away. He'll he'll get you, right? Because he's a good three point shooter. He's an above average three point shooter, especially from the at center circle. Um, So I think it's just done wonders for the Celtics offense. I'll mean, one of the best offenses in the NBA. I think they're second in scoring. Um, It's been Porzingis has couldn't have gone not gone as well. It could have gone better to me. I'm sorry. Um yeah. And and also. Warren, he's played, you know, and I know he's questionable for the Philly game. Uh, with the He bumped knees. I saw the injury last night. I was like, uh-oh, because he bumped knees with Julius Randle. He kind of limped a little bit. But he stayed in the game. He's played in the first 10 games. And this is a guy who, if you get 65 games out of him, you're thinking, hey, that's great, right? So the fact that he's played in the first 10 games and they've been able to, you know, be successful and he, and he feels energetic and he feels good. Uh, that's even a, a better uh, indication of just what he can do with this team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, he, and I think winning, in some ways, for some players, you're going to go out there and, and play through some injuries, maybe that you wouldn't ordinarily play for. I'm not saying that anything about him in his previous destinations, but I know that definitely cures all. He's been he's waxed poetically about bought the city the team, the organization, and being in this winning culture. So I think you're going to get maximum effort out of Porzingis all season long. And I do remember that play. Randall, you know, he's a bulldog in a china shop, as they say. You know, he kind of bowled Porzingis over, but he KP stayed in the game and and, and finished it out. Um, So that wrinkle, too, not only from him being a lob there, but he's done some nice things, I think, at the pinch post, um, the elbow, you know, with cuts. Specifically, oftentimes to Jalen, you know, doing backdoor things as well too. So, you know, where Rob was an underrated passer, I think Porzingis is even filling into some of that, some of that degree degree as well too. And I think things could not have gone better as you alluded to in, in that same same in s- same vein, if you will. Talk a little bit about Drew. You know, kind of we're going to stay on the positive things. We're going to meander away to some of the things that we don't like as much, and then we'll we'll obviously finish on a on a good note as well. But your your perception of what Drew has brought, um, I, I, everyone is for the uninitiated or even for the initiated, he was like, well, again, you know, a higher level Marcus smart, whatever the case may be. I think he's done, um, he's brought a pace to the offense in terms of like the way he controls it to some degree, um, get certain guys to the spot. He's not going to be flashy about it. Um, but still playing good defense as well. Uh, your thoughts, anything that you heard from around the team of what drew has brought here in the first 10 games.
0: Yeah. Warren, just a, a total pro, um, does all the right things. He's taking some interesting shots. I, that's, that's one thing that stood out about Drew. He, he ain't away, afraid to fire away on a pull-up three. But he's shooting 40% for three in the last seven games, uh, averaging a career high so far, 7.3 rebounds. So that's an important factor now. Yep. His scoring's down because he's taking fewer shots. So that we expected that, right? But he is just kind of that Chinese uh, Swiss heart. Swiss Army knife, <laughs> yeah. The where the Chinese came, from. Uh, Swiss Army knife. You know, he could do everything. He's going to get that key steal. He's going to make that key pass. He can pull up in in, in the mid range, hit that little jumper. Use his strength to against smaller guards. Pull up for that three. Uh, push the ball. Settle the offense when he needs to be settled. That they just needed that kind of, uh, you know, Warren voice of reason. The, the the guy who could just calm everything down. Hey guys, without making the too much hero ball plays, the, the, Oh my God, did he just do that? You know, I think that was what Marcus and then I said, um, Marcus was a quality solid player for the Celtics. these nine years, but there was a lot of just kind of um, taking too many chances at times, especially over the last few years I felt. Yeah. So I think Drew kind of brings a stability there that they haven't had any. And there's a trust that's being established with him. And I just think that's really important.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is. You, you see that from the coaching lens. You see that with the teammates themselves well, too. And Drew is definitely a, a um, you know, no fuss type of guy. He's just going to kind of come in and, and do the job and, you know, and work hard. And, and that's definitely something that the Celtics, the team itself, and obviously the fans can obviously get behind. So, again, as we alluded to, 8-2 and two to start the year. Uh, fourth in offensive rating, I think fifth is it. No, sorry, third in defensive rating. So you're seeing again top five and and both of those things there. Um, stellar record, even in the losses. I mean, the Philly game was a little rough to came back. Porzingis missed that last shot, last second three, or whatever. Um, Minnesota game was tough. You know, what that game went to overtime, I believe. And, you know, Anthony Edwards locks up JT, <laughs> you know, kind of in one of the last seconds. But again, for all intents and purposes, they've they've played well for most of the for most of the season thus far. Um First, the net rating as well to a lot, a lot of positives about what Boston is doing. However, <laughs> the, the flip side of that is that the starters are playing a crap ton of minutes. And, you know, we talked about this even a year ago. And so it's interesting to still be having the same conversation. You know, you're pressing your luck in today's NBA with that. And I think, again, they know Porzingis is not somebody who's going to give you 82, right? So you have to figure that out. And Drew himself, too. He's not somebody who's played 82 games. He's he's durable, but he's missed some time in, in, in recent seasons. You don't want, because Tatum is 25 and Brown is 27, 28, whatever, to just kind of wear them out. The problem, though, is the bench. And I don't know, from your standpoint, is it the lack of opportunity? Or is it just the lack of overall trust that Missoula and company have? Because right now the bench is 29th in scoring and 27th in bench field goal percentage. They have some other nice things in terms of, I think, they're 10th in rebounding from the bench and 9th in, in in net rating from the bench. But the offensive side of things has been a struggle. Um, what's your sense of why they're not getting more minutes and why Missoula and company are leaning so much on the starters at this early stage?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a weird situation where, because it's like they signed O'Shea Brissett. They signed La- M- Lamar Stevens, right? And they are married at this point to Hauser, who has played well of late, you know, late. 56% from the three-point line in November. Pritchard, who, if you look at his home in road splits, it's just un- unbelievable. Like, I can read this. I just looked at this, Warren, um... At home in the five games, 16 for 29 from the field, seven for 15 from three. He's averaging 8.6 points, uh, 3.6 rebounds, four assists. On the road, five games, Warren, one for 23 from the field and 0 for 16 from the three-point line. Who is that? He is shooting shooting 043 on the road. His his offensive rating, and you look like numbers like me, his offensive rating on the road, Warren is fifty nine. Oh. <laughs> you you have to try to be that bad. <laughs> like me, you and three guys, uh, you know, off the street could get a fifty nine offensive rating in Jeez. a game. So, they've got to ha- get more from Payton on the road. Now I don't know what it is about the home road. Obviously, home cooking, and everybody says bench players play better at home, but. You, one for twenty-three from the field, zero for sixteen for three from Peyton Pritchard so far on the road. Entering the next game against Philadelphia, and they got a four-game road trip coming up, so yeah. he's got to come through. And I also think Joe needs to start using Brissett, yeah. Stevens. Um, we'll see what Kita has in terms of being at third center. Uh, he's been hurt. Svi, you know, like I just think you, you got to put some more bodies out there and see what they can do. I mean, and I don't understand it because it was like even in the Toronto game where they won by 30 and they were pulling away, like he doesn't put Stevens in the game at all. Hmm. Like I don't know why. You know, um, Banton I think is a guy who's just going to be a project. I don't think Banton is really going to help them all that much this year. But I do think Stevens and Brissett are two guys who can help them. Hit a hit a shot. And I know Brissett's off to a slow start with a three-point line. Stevens yeah. uh, Stevens hasn't had much of a chance. I and mean, Shreed. You know, he can shoot. He's not great defensively at all, as we know, but he can definitely put the ball in the hole. I think you're going to have to lean on those guys, and I think if if you don't – if you can't get the production you want, Warren, they're going to maybe make another move before, before the deadline and get somebody else and put the ball in the basket because I think the reliance on Pritchard, you know, and I know they like – they you know, obviously you love his hustle and his rebounding, but you can't go 0 for 16 on the road, 1 for 23 from the field – uh, on the I mean th- th- there there's got to be some clutch play involved there. So we'll see I think the Celtics are fascinated probably about this four-game road trip. How does Peyton fare? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I think Sam is in, in Al or s- certainly the seven. Does Peyton keep that A spot? What do they do with Cornette? Uh Cornett's had some good games and then um, I think the Minnesota game, he played 15, or it might have been Philadelphia game, he, he played 15 minutes, he got one rebound, you know, for a seven-footer, that's not good. Um, he's not going to, he's not a perimeter threat at all. So, uh, you know, I think they're just kind of holding on with him in the game, you know, just trying to give guys yeah. a breather, and I think you'd like a more productive backup big. Um, so I think there's some questions, Warren, that we talked about that still need to be answered especially about the bench, because um, you're right. You do not want to wear Jason and Jalen out before April. You do not want them going into the playoffs on fumes like in 22. So by the time they got to the finals, like Jason was fried. Yeah. Um, You know, you don't need guys playing 39 minutes a game. So they've got to figure something out. And it could be the guys that they have just perform better. Right. We'll see what I think the Pritchard. For, your, for the fans watching, look at the what Pritchard does over the next four games and see, you know, and, and let, let's see if this home road split is really something to notice. It's only a 10-game sample size, yeah. but those are drastic numbers. I mean, my goodness, 0-43 on the road, like, that's a drastic number. So let's see what happens. Let's see if Missoula decides to give his guys, other, other guys, the Stevens and the Brissettes, like, not more than six minutes, but like, you know, 16 minutes. You know, something where a guy can get comfortable out there, get some looks, break a sweat, make some plays, as yeah. opposed to okay, you're in, you're in. Like he put in Minnesota, he just he comes up in the second quarter and puts Shree Lamar in. He break sorry, it was the first quarter. Lamar is like the first first player off the bench, you I'm like okay, What's and then he here? puts. You put Spee in there, and they play. They all, they both played like five minutes, and they didn't play it again. Like I don't know why that doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: That was a game Derek missed too, right?
0: Yeah, that was that a game, game Derek missed. Yeah. So Lamar was the first first player off the bench, but they didn't play much in the second half. And sweet it's like you know, Spee's an NBA player. Lamar's an NBA player. He played a a, a pretty decent role with the Cavaliers, and so the, we're not talking about guys that are you know super inexperienced or their first full NBA season or, you know, Banton's a guy I think that's probably in that co- category. Right? right. Um, But I think they got to see what they got out of Shvee, out of Brissett, and out of Lamar Stevens.
1: Yeah. I think those are the three names that I'm looking at here too. And, and when you, as you mentioned it, like Shvee's played five games, Brissett has played six games and Stevens has played three games. So so I don't I I I don't know at at this stage, like what what why would you not give them some minutes? I mean, and then you're not playing them at all. They're getting the DNP CPs or DNCPs, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, I think, at this stage. And it's hard to argue with winning and yeah, we're nitpicking at a team that's eight and two and top five in offense and defense, but again it's a bigger picture here. And we saw where they started off hot last year as well. And then they went through like a January to really, I think, March kind of lull, if you will, and just kind of like held on and, and kind of figured it out. There was still obviously a top seeded team or whatever the case may be, but it just didn't even feel the same. And you just don't want to, you know, come out truly guns blazing where you can't really kind of pace yourself. And you're going to need these bench players at some point. At some point, you know, everybody needs to be able to extend that rotation, even if it's just a, like, you know, like middle relief pitchers, right? Just eat up these innings, eat up some minutes here throughout the course of the regular season. Yes. Is there anybody? Um that it's only 10 games in. So we we're not trying to be drastic or anything about it, right? Is there anybody who you'd like to maybe see them go after if they if were to become available? Again, we're not talking about superstars. I know Levine News broke today that might he might be available, like nothing crazy like that. But is there a rotation guy um that you know, hey, you know what? When the December 15th comes, once January 15th comes, you know, some some opportunities to make some moves out there for rotation players.
0: Yeah, I'd have to think about that, like who might be available. Um, you know, on the market or who might be up for trade where a team's not doing very well, um, you know, they can always use offense and shooting to come off that bench. You know, the, another wing would help, um, you know, and they got to figure out, I just think the center position, like kita has been hurt. Like first, you know, he played in the preseason. He looked fine. It looked like he was going to help. And suddenly this stress reaction comes up and he hasn't played since and he's traveling with the team. And I think they were really intrigued about okay, could he t- start taking some of Luke's minutes? You know, because you need a he's a dog, and you need a mean dude in that paint. You know, and, and as much as we like Luke, and he's a nice guy, Luke, you know, I've seen too many times guys take the ball out of Luke's hands. Uh, Luke looked like he has a rebound. Suddenly, someone what else comes away with it and is pushing it the other way. It's like you know there isn't a lot of like grit. You know, he tries really hard. But I just don't think that 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 dog is there. So I think they need to start scouring the sea about the trade market. Remember, I think with the second apron, they can't sign any buyout guys. Um, so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get creative in how they bring in bring in someone. It could be someone from the G League, you know, it could be someone who's really uh, flourishing well in the G League at this particular time. The G League has just kicked off uh, its season. And it could be somebody there who's not not affiliated uh, with an NBA team and not on a two-way that they could look at. So I, I think I don't have, like, oh, here's a list of guys who will be available yeah. December 15th. But I also think, Warren, you're right. Like, they might need to look because this is the year. Like, this is the year you want to – and you don't want the lack of a bench guy or you afraid to make a deal, you know, or you going, hey, we're really going to rely on Peyton – and Peyton's not getting it done. It's a 10-game sample size, so I'm not going to yep. judge, you know, Peyton. But as I said, <laughs> these next four road games, let's see how he fares. Um, and and let's see what Joe does with this bench, because like you said, games are coming. You know, you don't want to wear your guys out.
1: Yeah. And there's there's a fine line between being an alarmist and a pacifist, right? You can just be like, oh, we got it, we got it, we got it. And then wait a minute, the season has passed you by and now you don't even have the opportunity to make you know, the proverbial move that you need. And I don't think Stevens is afraid to make moves. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening and at what point. If this does not turn around from a bench standpoint, you know where the Celtics team can you know potentially thrive. I'll mention two names, and one we've already talked about, just kind of in passing, just to gauge your interest because you know we like to do that here on Believe in Celtics. Terrence Ross, and obviously they snipped around T.J. Warren before as well too. Any interest from you from that standpoint, Ger- Gary Washburn putting on a GM hat for the Celtics? Any interest in those guys as last roster guys to give offense off the bench?
0: Interesting. I've always been a Terrence Ross guy. I guess the time in Phoenix didn't go so well because he's out of the league. The same with T.J. Warren. Warren's just been injured so much. But both those guys can get you buckets. Now, are they in premium shape? Like, I just – I thought Terrence looked a little slow in his Phoenix time. He's not the the wiry guy he was when he was in Orlando. T.J., is he moving as well? I think, you know, the Celtics are very meticulous about who they bring in. And obviously they had Warren in for a try – like a workout – Before they signed him or Steven, they signed Stevens. So it must have been something about Warren that was like, eh, maybe not right now. But I think those are two guys off the street, give them a couple practices, they know how to play the game, and they can hit shots. Because you just need – like you need somebody who can just come off the bench and give you some points. They might not be a great defender as long as they're trying. I just think that's – the Celtics feel at this point, their defense, team defense is so good, you just need effort, okay, like if you just not guarding your guy, it's a problem. But if you, as long as you guard your space, as long as you're participating in the, the, the presses and the do, and you try to provide some type of resistance, then I think they'll be fine with that. So I think those are two very interesting names to look out for, Warren.
1: All right. Well, all right. I'm glad you know. Again, we're just. We're just spitballing, not saying anything happening, but we'll give everybody a chance here. And I think more than anything else, it's not even about us giving guys or the fans and media give a chance. It's the coaching staff. (laughs) Are you going to even give these guys an opportunity to see if you do need to go out and get something else? And I think that's where, if you're going to be frustrated with anything about their season thus far, it's just that aspect of bench production has been a little bit poor, but they haven't had a whole lot of opportunity. As you alluded to four game road trip here, Philadelphia, Toronto, Memphis, and Charlotte. Before a big, big game against the Milwaukee Bucks, um, right after Thanksgiving or right around, right before Thanksgiving. That is um, your thoughts here in the next four games. As you alluded to, we said we want to see more from Pritchard and the bench in general. What else you're looking for for these for this next four game stretch?
0: Well, very four very challenging games. Philly, uh, obviously, Toronto's going to have something to say after the obviously the challenge and uh, Dennis Schroeder kind of going off to me about, hey man, I was unprofessional. you know. You don't disrespect us like that. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. That's another in-season tournament game. The Marcus Smart game uh, yep. with, at Memphis, and Memphis is starting to play a little bit, we'll see how they do this week. But, you know, you don't ever want to down. You know, Desmond Baines having a great season. Uh, they have struggled, but, you know, they're, that's not no slouch. And then the last game of the trip, a back-to-back at Charlotte, which you should be able to, to get. But who's going to be playing in that game? Who's not going to be playing in that game? Um Do you kind of give that one up because you know you got Milwaukee and Orlando coming next uh, after that? So a very tricky road trip. You know, there's no gimmies here. And so, yeah, I think we'll find out a little bit more about the Celtics over the next four games.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to throw one more at you just because I'm I'm pressing my luck here, right? Pressing my luck here in terms of names. But if Charlotte were to finally move on from, from former Celtic Gordon Hayward, I saw somewhere about a week or so ago too that hey, if he were to get bought on Hayward's played well for as healthy as he's been in the first ten games, would that make any semblance of of a uh, of sense to you to bring him back or just not really because of the history and maybe the role that he'd be?
0: be well, yeah, Warren, they cannot bots, they cannot bring in buyout candidates. Like mm. I think with the second apron, I think that limits yep. Yeah, so they can't. They can't sign. You know, they can't sign these litany of guys that are going to be probably released or whatever. They're going to have to get creative with a trade or sign a guy from the G league or off the street. You know, that's you. kind of what limits it. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Gordon Hayward or, you know, there's, there's guys around the league. I say we'll, we'll see what happens, um, which teams flourish, which teams drop, um, which guys aren't playing, you know, uh, you could start to see it right now. You know, certain guys or whatever who are who are probably not getting the minutes they want, um, who are just there for the final year of their contract. So we'll see what what happens there. But it's going to have to be some creative acquisitions or guys off the street, guys coming from China, coming yeah. from Europe. You know, you know the the European and the overseas market has been fruitful for a lot of NBA teams who bring guys over and 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 throw them in there. So I think they're going to have to be creative in that sense.
1: Last one before we get out of here, Gary. Have you seen anything that that gives you pause in terms of the actual role definition outside of the the bench guys? You know, in terms of Brissett, you know, Banton, fee, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but even like a guy like Al, is he acquiescing? You know, to what the role is? I know, Media Day, he was like, "Hey, much prefer to start." Things haven't necessarily gone that way, you know. But is there anything to kind of keep on our radar in terms of like the role definition throughout this team, or is everybody kind of just kind of falling in order?
0: I think everybody's falling in order, and I think Al, knowing that he's 37 years old, it um, might not have the the juice, and it might not have that offensive punch that he's once had. I think he's okay with with the lineup. I think he understands. Like, listen, I, I you know, I'm, I just want to contribute, and he's getting enough minutes. You know, it's not like we don't see. I Al, was playing six minutes one game or whatever. Yeah, like, he's getting his minutes. So we'll see how that goes. You know, how they close games, things like that. But so far, I think the biggest adjustment, Warren, is just like it's not gonna be everybody's night all the time. So sometimes Jalen's gonna get 12, 13 shots. It's gonna have to make a defensive play. Uh, you know, Jason's gonna get his shots. But you know, Jason took 14 shots, I believe, um, against Philadelphia. He didn't t- take a lot of shots. Um, but there's gonna be nights for everybody. And I just think the guys are gonna have to learn how to spread the wealth and understand that if as long as they're winning, they ain't gonna say that because I just think the egos are out the door. The guys are tired of putting up these big numbers, making all NBA All Star teams, and doing all this stuff, and then in the end, they're sitting at home watching the finals. Um, they want to be part of this thing, so I think they understand the sacrifice that it takes.
1: Well, we we tried to find something negative about an eight, eight and two team here. <laughs> you know, with the Boston Celtics doing very well in, in general, but again, we want we want to be contrarian. I guess whatever the, the terminology is, Uh Celtics are still. One of the better teams in the NBA, not just in the eastern conference and and off to a really, really great start. Hopefully they can keep things up both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the basketball um and we 'll see some stuff over here um, in the next four games as they as the bench and some other things kind of fall into place. That's gonna do it here for this week's edition of Believe in Celtics, Gary. Be safe on the road, my guy. You know, be safe out there in these in these in these uh, it. streets. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll definitely make sure we'll we'll tap in here within the next week or two to and see how the Celtics have fared. Uh, for Believe in Celtics, make sure you follow him, G. Washburn Globe. I am Warren Shaw. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA, and we'll catch y'all next time.